Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News show. It's Bayern Munich 1, Paris Saint-Germain 0. The Persians' dream comes to an end, for this year at least. Bayern's six European titles now equal France's six lost finals in the Champions League. That is the number that hurts most coming out of tonight. But we can still pay homage tonight to another figure from French football, a new French king, a former Titi, or Parisian youngster, back to punish his house of origin. And it's Kingsley Coman who scored the only goal and disrupted PSG's right-hand side for the larger part of the match. France's historic European odyssey comes to a close on this sad note. But it is some consolation that Ligue 1 is back this weekend, and there was a lot to be excited about in the few matches that we did get to see, and more to come, of course. I am your host, Pierre-Paul Birmingham. Uh, I have here with me today, Eric Devin. Hey, hey Eric. Hi, Pierre-Paul. How are you? Very fine. How are you? Well, well as well. Thank you. Good. Uh, we also have Kale Stockwell. Hey, Pierre-Paul. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. And Jeremy Smith. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, let's get started with this final, guys. Um, Eric, it, it was a stereotypical final in a way, right? Because it was very tense and, and everybody looked concentrated and a very tactical battle. But in the end, Bayern Munich come out with that rare goal, uh, which makes them victorious. You know, what were the deciding factors in, in tilting the balance towards the Germans? Uh, well, I, I think much as it had been on Wednesday, it was uh, some errant finishing in Manuel Neuer. Uh, I think that, you know, I, for a goalkeeper that I think some of some will have had as being quote unquote past it, um, I think uh, I think he came up trumps again. Uh, you know, even if Byron's backline looked a little bit leaky at times, uh, when he was face down with people in those one on ones, he made the saves that. They kept PSG at bay, just as he had done against Memphis Depay and Carlos Okambi on Wednesday. And I think that, you know, there's nothing that Navas did wrong on the other in the other goal. But I think that when you have a goalkeeper who is at that level of talent and it does have that level of ability, um, I, I, I think I think that tells. And I think it I think it did on the evening, and it has throughout this championship campaign for for Bayern Munich. And I think I think that was. M- my big takeaway from the game is that there wasn't a whole lot to separate the teams um, other than Neuer coming up big um, three or four times. I agree Neuer had a big game, but but Jeremy, what did you think of uh, Paris's front line tonight and some of the chances they had against the German keeper? Yeah, I, th- I thought they were, they were disappointing. I think certainly the first half, PSG matched Bayern. And I think in a way, PSG were in a kind of harder position because Bayern were always going to play their game and PSG kind of their, their game is generally obviously still using the the speed at the front, but the game is obviously because of who they generally play against more possession based. Um, And I think they had to kind of change their natural game in order to play to their strengths and Bayern's weaknesses. So I think it's always a harder, a harder balance to draw. And I think they did it brilliantly in the first half. But the second half, I just felt, even at the sort of the last 10 minutes of the first half, I thought they, that some of them were looking a little tired. Um, and I, I was concerned they wouldn't be able to sort of maintain those levels all match. And that definitely happened um, 
for the majority of the second half, especially once Bayern scored because they're such good front runners. But for for PSG's front three, I think first half. I mean, there were, Mbappe had a couple of blocked shots. Neymar had that that shot that was safe. I don't think he did too much wrong. It was a good save by Neuer. Um, I, the three of them, I think, because they were all putting um, a defensive shift in, uncharacteristically so, in at least two cases, um, you can forgive them to an extent for not having the usual sort of clarity at the other end of the pitch. But the fact is that Mbappe is you know, probably the arguably the greatest, if not the second greatest, um, teenage footballer ever. He's the world, reigning world champion. He, you know, everyone was looking to him. He is a big, big game player. And Neymar hasn't been quite on it for all the reasons that we've discussed however many times the last two or three years. But, you know, certainly most of the media would have, have you believe over the last two matches is back to his best. And, you know, is he the greatest, best footballer in the world at this moment? In these matches, you need to step up. And um, to be fair, some PSG players did. I thought Silva and Kimpembe were good. I actually thought Kera, considering I think he's the weakest link, didn't have such a bad match. Um, but Mbappe and Neymar simply just didn't turn up. They were, I thought... Mbappe was very slow, more in his decision-making than general speed. I just think every time he got the ball, he lingered too long. He tried to beat someone when he didn't need to. He waited for Neymar when there was someone better placed available. I just don't think he made good decisions. And Neymar just thought simply had a very, very poor match. Um, And, you know, on the other side, you've got Bayern, who pretty much from 1 to 11 or whatever weird numbers they were nowadays, um, everyone turned up and turned up for the 90 minutes and that just didn't happen for PSG. And against, I, I don't think it's unfair to to say simply Bayern are a better team right now than PSG. And similarly, as Eric said, similarly to Lyon, when you're playing a better team, you have to take your chances when they come. And if you don't, that you'll be punished. And I think that's what happened. I agree with your conclusions. Um I think you you inserted some somewhat old arguments in there about Neymar in particular, which I don't know if they have been truly applicable over the last few matches, even though I, I agree it wasn't the best of matches uh, from him tonight. I just said I don't think he... I don't think he did enough in the last two matches for people to be saying, is he the best player in the world at the moment? Oh. Um, Kale, yeah. what, did, what did you think... Um, there was a suggestion from Eric before we started recording that Mbappe was maybe still uh, a little bit uh, held back from the injury from which he's returning. Um, do, you, do you think they had a part to play? And, and do you think PSG, was their attack hurt in any way by the way they approached the match and, and this kind of emphasis on counterattacks and less so on, on possession, like you mentioned, uh, Jeremy, I think? I think... Jeremy and Eric kind of really nailed it, sort of com- their comments combined. As, as far as I was concerned watching the match, you know, I think you got to finish the chances, especially the good chances that Mbappe had in the box. I think we're used to those going in for some reason today. They didn't go in. I think, you know, you could put that down to him maybe not being healthy or, you know, not being 
up to the pace because the league has been on such a long break, but it's also just one match, these two shots. I think there's a lot of variance involved in these sort of situations. And then I think Jeremy's point about PSG having to play in a different style is, is maybe the most important for me. You know, they, I think it's really difficult for a team that's so used to having the ball so much and developing play through sort of this calm, steady buildup to suddenly play in a match where they're going to see, you know, I think they saw something under 40% of the ball and try and do everything on the break. And basically those front three were the only ones going forward and pushing on those breaks. The the midfield three kind of seemed so tired or preoccupied with defending their what they didn't join them a lot, except for maybe Marquinhos, who was making a lot of pretty heavy-duty runs from midfield. But, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it, uh, Paris had three shots on goal, Bayern had two shots on target, and Bayern had two had 12 shots total, and PSG had 10 shots total. So the difference between the attempts on goal is really not that markedly different. And I think when the XG numbers come out, whenever they do, I think you'll see probably very similar XG numbers for both sides. So, you know, it just comes down kind of to a matter of finishing in the end, perhaps. But I don't know if the XG represents, you know, the fact that on some of PSG's chances, for example, it was just, it was good positions, right? And that's what XG is, I believe. But the, the, you know, it was just kind of not well-adjusted shots, too soft or or too straight at the keeper. Uh, in particular, that one from Mbappe in, in the first half where someone cuts it back to him and, and he kind of has the left side of goal open, but it just sl- rolls over to, to Neuer pretty much. Um, let's talk a little bit about, about some of the individuals involved here. Now, we, we've talked about the forwards, of course, um, but guys, this was, uh, you know... We assume we're almost certain that this was Thiago Silva's last ever match uh, for PSG, and and it's quite sad for him to go out in this way. I guess knowing that it was such a an opportunity to achieve that dream that they've had for years. Um, what do you think of his match? And, and you know, maybe if you want to reflect a tiny bit as well on his time at PSG and and what he brought to them. I think that he, yeah, he had a fine match, and I think that you know. I think that he's the mask has slipped a little bit in the past couple of years, but I, I, I think for a lot of the time he was at the club, he was one of, if not the world's best central defenders. Um, you know, he, he's his mobility, his passing acumen, his, his ability in the air. Uh, thinking back to that, uh, that tie was that 2014, 2015 when they knocked out Chelsea. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of moments. Um, I think that, that that did that you know reflect well on on his time in Paris and that make him you know having been an important cornerstone in this QSI project. Um, I think on the evening you know I think you know uh, his positioning was was really impressive. I think that given his lack of pace and the pace of the players against that he was up against, um, I think he did very very well. I think that you know this is a, a disappointing uh, end to his time in Paris, but. I think also, um, you know, reflects its influence. I mean, you know, his time there has been all smooth sailing. You know, I think there's still something to be said for, you know, uh, well, we've talked about this in the past, his preference for Lucifone teammates. Um, the fact that Alex 
<laughs> was a, a regular player over over certain um, certain other players in the past, and that you know he he preferred to have um, a particular collection of players around him, rather based on perhaps a shared history or language, rather than their talent, which I think you know hindered PSG in some ways. But I think on the whole. Uh, this is a player for whom I think any fan of French football should have an immense respect that he, you know, you know, could be a little selfish, but I think, I think by and large, his, uh, his spirit and his willingness to get things done and, and also to adjust the manner of his play. I mean, he, he had played extensively as a defensive midfielder early on in his career. Um, and I think, you know, as his, as his ability to get about the pitch slowed, he became, um, more intelligent positionally, which I think that is not something that we can always say about center backs. And I think that it is something that, um, you know, I think perhaps it was a lesson learned for him after that uh, infamous World Cup match. I think that's something that we, that I saw personally improving from him moving beyond that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think a disappointing end for Giago Silva, but on the evening, I think that he was, Gosh, I mean, I you know, I I think he and Bernat were probably the standouts of that of that back four. I think that Kara um, and Kimpembe were. I mean, Kara was okay, but I I still think his losing Coman on that goal uh, was a little frustrating, given the physical differences between the two. Um, yeah, yeah, Kara was good, um, but Coman was causing trouble, and and that's something we kind of expected in, in the preview show as well. Um, I just want to come back on one of the things you said about Thiago Silva, about the kind of uh, the language groups or, or kind of nationality aff affiliations that we have seen at PSG in the past. I thought this season that was one of the things that by all counts has changed and that there's been more sort of intermingling and and, and that's been one of the con con contribute that con Sorry, one of the contributing factors <laughs> to uh, their good run in, in the Champions League here is that, you know, there seems to be more of a unified uh, group going into it. But I wonder if that's despite him rather than thanks to him. I mean, there's a few Brazilians who've left, a few whatever Spaniards or Argentines or certain, certainly Hispanophones or whatever they're called that, um, have come in. Mm. So I'm not sure that's, that's down to him. I mean, I, I feel like I'm going to be a lot harder on him. I think he's been <laughs> absolutely superb in Liga, but generally not good enough in the Champions League. Um, you know, Eric mentioned that the, the match where I think he scored the winner or the, the goal that qualified them against Chelsea. In that same match, he also conceded a needless penalty, which he also did the year before, I think. And I just, I think he always set... Maybe he's judged too much on his captaincy and leadership than simply his footballing performances. But I think it's, it's you know, as the captain of a, of a big team like that, I think it's hard to entirely um, separate the two. And I, I think he was found wanting quite often. And I sort of, I sent a tweet just to, as a bit of a wind up to say that, you know, you can look at it as the PSG have had a, you know, really had a great run. Or you can say, well, they scraped past Atalanta and beat an underpar Leipzig, and actually that's nothing special. I think, you know, I think that the the truth is somewhere in between and closer to the first one. And I, I mean, I felt before that probably it's time to get rid of the likes of Silva and possibly even Verratti, just because they're sort of serial losers. 
obviously not in a domestic sense, but they have been there all the time when they've been losing these these uh, big Champions League matches. And I think in that sense, they've put right a lot of wrongs this year. Um, and, you know, it's it's rare that a team goes straight to a final and immediately wins it, certainly nowadays. Um, you know, Man United, for example, struggled for years in the Champions League. So I don't think, and, you know, let's not even get started on City, who've been spending a hell of a lot more for, for a lot longer than PSG, but don't get any stick in England. Um, so I, I do think that the mental hurdles that PSG have overcome have been um, very important and hopefully will stand them in good stead in the future. And I'm sort of pleased that Thiago Silva was there for that hurdle to be jumped. But I do also think it's probably time to, to move on. Yeah, I think the criticism for some events in the past is is justifiable. I, we should just stress that in this run, in the last few weeks, he's been pretty faultless. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree, and I thought he was brilliant tonight. Yeah, um, but so I, I can, do. Can I just? I just want to ask. Sorry, Jeremy. Can you, sure. spend, you you feel like Verratti is not a, a, a player around which? who can be a key player for this team going forward? I mean, is that is, is, I, is it that cut and dried for you? On, no, 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 it's not cut and dried. I honestly can't decide what I think about Verratti. I actually saw um, a couple of people tweet when he came on, and they're people whose opinions I... Like, one's an Italian correspondent, one's a Spurs fan, and um, but I often agree with what they say. And it just made me rise, raise my eyebrows. They both said they think that Verratti is the most overrated player in the world. I don't agree with that, but sometimes I think the whole package, the negatives are maybe not always worth the positives. And I know today obviously is different because of, you know, he's rushed back from injury. But apart from that one pass to Di Maria, all he did was bitch at the referee. And it's too much. And again, I think it sets, it does set some kind of tone in the same way as you know, Silver and his constant retreating in that match against Barcelona. There as well, there were other factors. They didn't lose that match because of Silver, but it was one of several factors which led to them losing the match. Verratti as well, I just, I just, he's such a brilliant player, but I'm not sure he's got the temperament to win at the very, very top. Well, for me, I, I don't disagree with you in terms of him being perhaps a not a disposable part, but a player that can be moved on as part of restructuring the team. I just think he's injured too much and suspended too much. If you can't rely on him being there, match in and match out, how can he be an integral part of the way that the team plays, despite his passing acumen, despite you know, despite his you know tackling ability, yellow cards or not? Uh, I just don't think he's reliable enough, whether through that's his own fault or not through injury. But if if he's missing a third of the matches, forty percent of the matches, how can he be an integral part of that team? Yeah, that's fair. The injuries obviously not his fault. The suspensions absolutely are, and it's about time he grew up. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they could manage without him now, but I do think maybe it's time to replace him. There is a question of maturity, is basically what you're saying, because um, he's now 27, but we're still kind of seeing the same uh, mistakes or sometimes excesses than when he first arrived i think i i mean i think that's how i would put it I but if you compare that, it to say marquinhos who's also been there for a long time and is 26 and looks like a much kind of wiser player than than verati 
I think earlier in earlier in the season, I can't remember at which point, um, and I can't remember why I did it. I think I was just bored and procrastinating, you know, trying to not do work. I looked <laughs> up how many yellow cards he's got. I think he's had certainly now more than 80 yellow cards while he's been at PSG. <laughs> and, you know, as Eric said, he misses his fair share of matches. That's that's not good enough. You know, he even got not, one. I know he plays a deep role, but he's not a defensive midfielder. He's not a centre-back. He should not be getting that many yellow cards. And if you can't rely on your main playmaker to keep a calm head, to be there match after the match, then I don't think he's doing his job entirely properly. He even got one. Uh, uh, was it in the match against Lyon, I think, in, in the Coupe de la Ligue final, before he came on the pitch when he was on the bench, yeah. uh, which was quite impressive. <laughs> um, but I do agree that when he came on tonight, I was thinking, I don't know what he's what he can bring. Like, what is he going to add to PSG? They're a goal behind, and I don't think he's going to be much help in chasing that. That, um, but I will, yeah. if I can. I'll. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I don't disagree with a lot of the stuff said about him, especially in terms of discipline, because he's he's got major issues there and missing matches because of a lot of the silly yellow cards he gets like arguing with the referee it's just inexcusable especially in the champions league which he's he's done several times in the past if i can remember correctly but i think the risk that you have with moving that player on is that you better find a player with that same profile to replace him because he's mm. such a unicorn in midfield in terms of how capable he is of evading presses and progressing play and then additionally what he can do when he gets to the final third and you're trying to break down low blocks which is something Paris does a lot I think while he has a lot of issues and there are just not that many players out there that can do the things that he does I think in Bayern you saw one of them which is Thiago he can I was do just that kind of say, job there's one yeah. who's available yeah I mean if you well, could go get Thiago true. that'd be great you know but uh and maybe Pusam they do need to replace him yeah, but you got to find them. Yeah, well, I don't think Alvar can do that job. <laughs> no, I, it's an unbased uh, idea there. I just want to say there's no evidence to suggest that move is, is happening. Um, but yeah, uh, oh well, poor old Marco Verratti. We've poured on some more misery to him. <laughs> um, uh, let me ask you guys something. Uh, with PSG losing tonight, I mean, obviously one of the differences that we talked about coming into the match was that this is PSG's first ever final. Bayern Munich are a lot more experienced at this level, even if not all of their players have done it before. You know, some of them have, and certainly institutionally, there's something there. Um, do you think that in this match, and as well in the in the Lyon semi-final, France is, is paying our inexperience at this level of, of, of football? Yeah, I mean, I I know I talked about the stat that that we there there were Bayern against the lineup that Bayern put out against Leon. Bayern had scored more goals collectively than PSG had experiences had appearances in the Champions League, and I think that something like a third of those were Anthony Lopez for for Leon. Then, then Leon did. You yeah, mean? yeah. So so in that case, yeah, and I, I think that you know again this isn't there's not a lot of commonalities with the team that. Um, that won the title, oh, 2013 is when Bayern won. Yeah. Um, but you still got Thomas Muller. You still got 
uh, Manuel Neuer. You still got Jerome Boateng. You've, you, there is there is an experience. There is a, a grinta, if you will. There is a there is a, a willingness to focus and get down. I, but I think that in terms of a collective culture, I think exists in Bayern like, this winning mentality, if you will, mm-hmm. um, that has has been there. You know, okay, maybe not so much under Kovac, but I, I think that you've. We we see it under Heinke's. Um, we saw it under, and we're seeing it now under Flick. That it's that this collective mentality is something that evinces itself in a way that I, I think, by and large, French teams just haven't had the opportunity to do. Because obviously, you know, we see unless they're PSG, mm-hmm. we see their best players get picked over year after year. Um, you know, thinking back to other runs that. Teams have had in the Champions League, uh, going back to Marseille when they beat Inter, uh, Leon getting to the semifinals ten years ago, uh, Leon in the Europa League semifinals. Players don't tend to stick around, um, and mm-hmm. it, it's because there's there's so much of an attraction to sell, and you know, so you lose a Tonki and Dombele, you lose a Hussein Awar, probably you lose a Alexander Lacazette, and you know. You think about the the teams that the players that think about the teams that could be built by these by these teams, you know how if Leon could play a back four with Samuel and Titi part, partnering Jason Denier, mm. you know right? Let's look at that as as an example, or if they still had Ferlan Mendy uh, or Quentin Tolisso in midfield, you know maybe there's maybe there's more of a chance there, and I, I think that that's that's really what but, hamstrings these teams in terms of continuity. I'm also thinking maybe. Um, you talk about winning mentality. Uh, before the winning mentality, oftentimes there's this like there's the experience of of losing. I mean, if you look at Bayern Munich, right? Um, mm-hmm. If you remember, they ha- there's there were those lost finals against Inter Milan ten years ago. Then against Chelsea, Ugh, the the one they lost against Chelsea. Come on! Um, but then they came yeah, back from that. And, yeah, but that goes back a, a little bit further, of course. Um, and then they won in in 2013. I think, and then... Right, uh, they beat Dortmund, yeah. That's yeah, it. and then again this year. Another example of that is France, you know, losing the Euro in 2016, coming back stronger to win the World Cup. Or even to take a Champions League example against, again, Marseille had, had lost in uh, 91, the final against Red Star Belgrade, before winning it in 93. And that defeat can actually be very valuable if you can learn from it and maybe... Like you say, Lyon sell players, so maybe there's a difference there. But for PSG, this could be something very valuable going forwards. I agree. I I, I do think that it, it's it, the champion. I'm not. I can't entirely explain why, but the Champions League does seem to be a, a learning process, and I mm. think that's they're not the only ones. But but as as Eric said, Bayern have got such a winning mentality, and um, I I think that's. However you do it, you just have to somehow, you know, channel the the hurt of losing and 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 I don't know, focus on not wanting to go through that again. You know, I think it's Paul Pogba talked about it in the in the pre-match um, pep talk before the before the World Cup final. Mm-hmm. He referred back to 2016 and how that felt, and you know, said we don't want to feel like that again. Let's make someone else feel like that again. It's it's. It might be a very cold mentality, but it's it's the reason Bayern are celebrating their their sixth win, I think. And actually, you look at their generally their their Champions League or European Cup final record; it's not fantastic. 
but they they managed to to go again and um you know obviously we're allowed to have a massive go at PSG for winning their league um, easily and we say that's the reason they don't win Champions League via a, a proof that um it's a load of rubbish and <laughs> that you can still mm. be competitive consistently in the Champions League um, and also that you can somehow get away with constantly getting stick from from the English media, even when you keep <laughs> trampling over the rest of your league. PSG have to learn from that. They have to learn to be ruthless. I, you know, I said the other day, just there's something about, I think it was before the Lyon match, you know, they, they beat uh, poor Juventus or, or you know, on away goals. They, they beat a Man City that have always got a little bit of a sort of, kamikaze side to them especially in defense Bayern you have to entirely I'm not saying Lyon didn't earn those wins but you can I think you can rely on the current Juventus and City teams to maybe hurt themselves a little bit Bayern are not going to do that and you know it's it was sort of the most Germanic moment of the match but it sort of summed up the whole match where Mbappe is completely through on goal because he's sort of 10 yards offside um, still gets his shot away Neuer still saves it, even though it was always going to be blown offside, and stands there, you know, doing his sort of, you know, incredible Hulk or whatever impression. And I didn't find it entirely pleasant, but I just thought that that sort of sums everything about this match and everything about Bayern up. And that's how where PSG have to be. No one likes the serial winners anyway, so don't worry about um, people not liking you, you know. Hopefully next year or in a couple of years, you'll have the, the trophy with the big ears to show and, and you won't care what people say. Yeah, I, I, would, I would say as a credit to that too, though, but I don't, I don't think it's a given. I think that PSG have a big summer. I, I think that it's clear that Kerr, for example, is not the answer at right back. I think that they need more creativity in midfield. Um, you know, I still the, think it's a very average midfield. I think that Paredes has shown a lot since the restart in terms of his creativity. I've been pleasantly surprised by that, but I don't think that he's got enough in him to, to drive that midfield forward. Um, and I, I think that getting this summer right, you know, getting a right back that has a dynamism that Mounier did, um, that did does, um, and his best form. I know he's tailed off a little bit in the last seasons, and, and his, his move to Dortmund is maybe perhaps not exactly the cause of many Parisian tears, but I think that, you know that his acceleration, his physicality from that position is, was really impressive. That they need they need to have um, a backup for Bernat that's not leaving Kurzawa. Um, I, th- I think that they need, depending on what we think of Abdou Diallo, maybe another center back. If, if we think Mbeso is is the answer there, maybe that maybe that is. Um, but I think that you know PSG will have benefited from this experience. But I think that they, there's a lot a lot of questions to be answered in terms of the European stage moving forward, because I think if we look at how these teams, other teams are restructuring and are going to continue to be a challenge, I think, you know, do we think that Bayern, you know, Thiago or not, are, are going to be at, at any less of a level next season? I don't, I don't think so. Um, and I think that, you know, Liverpool are going to be a challenge. Uh, if Simeone stays, Atleti will still be a challenge. I mean, I, I wouldn't know how to how to properly argue this, but it's just an instinct that the calendar will play in favor of French teams like it maybe did in the last few weeks um, with, you know, them coming back fresh and straight out of pre- preseason. And with the fact that Ligue 1 is, 
is, you know, did not play on last season and is the first one to restart now. And things will be a little bit more spaced out in French football. I'm hoping this can have uh, a good impact on their European performances. Um, obviously, it's largely different teams this year than it was last year. No more Lyon, Marseille are in, Rennes are in. So we'll have to see how that works out. But for PSG, who knows, that could be a positive. Um, before we close up on the final, Kale, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about Kingsley Coman, who, as a Frenchman, is still within our, our jurisdiction and uh, was, I guess, the hero of the evening, just for the other side. Uh, what did you think of the performance from him, from you know a former Paris youngster too? I thought he was great at exposing care. I mean, to be honest, I thought all four wingers, like between both sides, were really good in their matchups against the fullbacks. I thought Di Maria and Mbappe in that first half were great, and Nabri and Coman were also pretty dominant. I think the whole Bayern left side just works so well and so fluidly, and there's so much pace, and it's so difficult to contain them. And and Coman's ability to expose care, I think, worked sort of uh, double-fold in the second half in that you saw, especially at the beginning, Tuchel moved Mbappe over to the right, and both Mbappe and Di Maria, but especially Mbappe, were defending much deeper than they were in the first half. And I would guess that that was in reaction to the joy that Davies and Coleman were getting constantly on that right hand, on that Paris's right hand side with care. I think, so. I think you're overrating um, the contribution from your man Davies tonight. I don't, I don't think he had a very good day, good game. I, I, I think the agree. switch, I think the switch was on constantly, which was an issue for them. And so they needed to bring someone deeper to close that passing angle. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying Davies was excellent in progressing mm. the ball. What I, what I mean is that Bayern uses the wings to progress the ball and then move it into central positions, into people like Thiago and Goretzka and Muller. So unless you're going to cut that easy ball off that they play a lot to Davies, then they're going to keep doing that. And they did that a lot in the first half. And it's a really simple rotation where Coleman either comes comes inside and drags his marker with him, and then Davies drops back and picks it up, or they do the inverse where Davies comes inside, Coleman drops back, and it opens that pass up. And they can play a little one-two and then put the ball inside to Thiago, who's now left open. And I think Tuchel is trying to guard against that. And the sort of one-on-ones then that Coleman was getting with Kerr. I think that's a fair point. Yeah, um, Kingsley Coleman, a former uh, roommate of of uh, of President Kimpembe, uh, back to cause some damage. Uh, but you know, good for him. And I, he'll certainly be in Didier Deschamps' list, which is coming out uh, probably on Thursday this week for the first internationals of the season. What did you think about Tuchel's substitutions? Ooh. I have uh, something to say here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, just go. Yeah, go ahead, Pierre Paul. Sorry. Well, on the one hand, I mean, we talked about Verratti. I wasn't sure um, about about you know what he could bring, but I guess because he's so good, you know, it's not, it's not a terrible idea to bring him on at some point. The one that did stick out to me was Chupomoting coming on ahead of Icardi. Words out of my mouth. Yeah. yeah, I think that's very problematic. I know Icardi's been 
pretty iffy uh, since the restart, but I think that that one-touch finishing, you know, that's what he specializes in. If he's in those positions, if if, if TSG revert, revert to playing that, uh, what do they call it, Cat, Mag- Cat Magique, Cat Fantastique, uh, mm. revert to playing a 4-2-4, um, maybe there's a, more of more than a sniff of a chance for for PSG. I, I think that it's it's a strange decision, uh, even if we factor in uh, Bernat looking to have been to have come off injured. I, I think that there's did they use all five? Um, Draxler, Kurzawa, Draxler, and Verratti. Verratti. Uh, no, they didn't use all five. Did they not? Nobody else came on. Uh, no, maybe you're right. Yeah, maybe only the four. I mean, you're a goal down. You don't try every option. That's that to me is problematic. Hmm. I think Sarabia, you have to take too? off. Yeah, Sarabia to me was the bigger one. Why he didn't come on? I was a little bit confused. But Icardi mm-hmm. to me is like you're making a deal with the devil. You know what I mean? In the <laughs> sense that, <laughs> like, there's a good chance that he'll come on and give you absolutely nothing. Like nothing. He won't run forward to stretch the field. He might get one or two touches, not necessarily linking play. Like even his aerial duels over the last three games haven't been great. I think he's won three total. And I I counted up the number of touches he had in his last three appearances and they're 14, nine and 20. So it's not like he's been giving you very much over the last three matches. And it's not like Bayern ever at any point even as the match was closing out, said, okay, we're going to go to a deep block here and let them knock crosses in. I think, Cardi, you want to bring him in because you have this idea that, oh, he, all he needs is one touch on the ball, but he needs one touch on the ball in the perfect spot, and he's not good at creating that for himself. I mean, I think people will argue, like, oh, he probably could have put in that Chupomoting chance at the end, but I don't have a huge problem with that substitution given how little he's done over the last three matches. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I guess it's just a message sent to Icardi too that you know he has to step it up. I think that's everything on the final. Shall we talk a little bit about Ligue 1? Jeremy, shall I ask you about the first game of the season? Even though you didn't watch it, I don't think you had to watch it. Bordeaux nil, Nantes nil. Two red cards. Uh, two shots in the whole game. Or two shots on target, sorry. Uh, and nil-nil in the end. It w- Can you think of any better way to start Liga? <laughs> with, with, the, with the supposed to be first match ha- having been postponed because of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, thank goodness for, for today's matches, which I think sort of made up for, for the last couple of days. Yeah, it wasn't the most exciting start. Maybe it's good that everyone was distracted by um, Europa League on, on Friday and, and Champions League today. Um, I, look, not, I just not are still not in a great place. I think Gulkuf is sort of doing his best, but he's not the, I don't think he's the coach that he was. And it's got to be horrible working for Kita. Um, I'm surprised he's, he sort of tolerated it for this long. Um, they somehow keep managing to to finish mid table, but I, th- I I think they may struggle a little this year. And Bogdo Gasse has only just come in, and and you know that there's a complete mess behind the scenes in the club, a big civil war. Um, 
and, and you know hopefully with with two or three of the sort of public enemies of the of the fans gone and Gasset in who um, I think is sort of a well-liked figure in, in French football anyway and, and generally does a very solid job wherever he goes as we saw at Saint-Étienne really gets the players playing for him and of course he's also got the the, the link with Bordeaux as he was um, Blanc's assistant when when they won the league um, hopefully he can be a sort of federating figure but he needs time and, and he could do with a better squad to do it with as well so um, it's unfortunate that that was the the opening match, opening but um, probably not too surprising that, that that's how the match went. Yeah, I just want to point out that Koscielny, Laurent Koscielny is now the captain at Bordeaux, um, which I think is an interesting thing. Just after one year there, uh, I think that means he still has four years left on his contract, which is uh, going to feel like an eternity at some point and probably going to turn into a problem, but we'll see. Um, also, I made a mistake. It was only one red card in Bordeaux-Nantes. The match with two red cards, Kale, was Lille-Rennes, uh, which two European contenders, quite a, a strong fixture to start the season with that one. Um, what did you make of it? I actually thought, considering how the talent on, on both squads, I thought it was not a great match, to be honest. I, I thought huh. both the managers got their starting eleven way wrong, and it was sort of like they played the rest of the 90 minutes playing catch-up, trying to restructure their lineups and their tactics. So we didn't see Galchier played his normal 4-2-2-2, but instead of having uh, Renato Sanch in the middle of the field, he was basically on that wide right side. And uh, Jonathan David got his start, which was, I guess, exciting. And he did make a nice little dummy run that allowed Bamba to go in and score the goal. So that was a nice sequence. But really the most exciting parts of the match were the two red cards, which were both really awful tackles. One was a high boot from Boy, and it was a really nasty one. And then the other one was uh, Renildo on a slide tackle from behind on Rafinha, also a really, really nasty tackle. So those were probably the most exciting parts of the match, um, at least until Eduardo Camavinga came on in the 60th minute and just absolutely ran the show. And man, was he ever brilliant when he came on the pitch. And I mean, still only 17, it just boggles my mind every time I watch that guy play. And it seems that Nzonzi being there and playing more of the holding deep midfielder role has just sort of opened the doors in terms of what he's allowed to do and what he's going to be capable of doing for the rest mm. of this season. Because today he was building play, he was playing in between the lines, he was spreading the ball around, he just was everything to them once he came on and it was actually his flick on at the front post that led to uh De Silva's tying goal mm. I only watched the second half but I thought it was, it was a fun half um Lille were dominating at first in the second half and I thought Jonathan Icone in particular looked quite sharp but like you say it started to tilt in in Ren's favor especially with Kamavinga coming on and uh 1-1 in the end over there. Uh, and now, guys, let's talk about one more here. Uh, uh, Eric, Nice 2, Lance 1, a double from Amin Guiri. Uh, do you think that Rudy Garcia is already regretting letting him go? <laughs> if it's Rudy Garcia's decision to have been made. Um, ah. I, I, I think that um, I think that Guiri, yeah, it should, definitely showed some moments of brilliance, but I think that they're... 
I don't think that his his hitting a double tells the story of this match. I think that uh, things were really a mess for for Nice in midfield. I did I didn't see them playing with um, the amount of dynamism and drive that they ought to have been. Uh, Kefran Thuram was pretty poor. Uh, Will and Cyprian appears to be on his way out. Does not seem like he'll play another match for the club. Was not included in the match day uh, eighteen. Um, there's a, a questions to be answered over who fills that third mid midfield spot. Uh, Isham Budoi, the, the young Algerian, is is a possibility. Uh, Jean Victor Makengo is there as well. Um, but I, I think Nice lacked a lot of coherence, and that query really bailed them out. I thought Lens uh, mm-hmm. looked very good. I think the the front two of Ganago and Sotokoa looked really good. They're both physically impressive presences, but also not afraid to get up, get about the pitch. Their pressing was really, really, really impressive. Um, Gakakuta seemed to tire as the match wore on, but you know looks as sharp as he did at his best for Amiens. Um, and I think that you know once you add Seiko Fofana to the mix to add a little bit more dynamism for midfield for for Lens, I think that they've got. I mean, they're not going to challenge for the Europa League, but I think that both they and Lorient are going to offer a lot more. Um, than one would expect from a pair of promoted sides. I think that, again, this the score does not tell the story of this match. Uh, and it's a little bit frustrating from my perspective that Lance and Frank Ice didn't get um, didn't get the result they ought to have. Yeah, I thought. Sorry if I don't mind if I jump in. Mm-hmm. I I thought Nice were awful, like awful during this match. And Amin Guiri absolutely saved them with two just astonishing strikes. You know, if sorry to bring the stats in too much, but Nice had two shots on target in this game, and they both went in. And oh, wow. their total XG was 0.14. They were terrible throughout the 90 minutes. They really were not good. Like, nothing was working for them. The midfield was a disaster. Casper Dolberg was alone in the center of the pitch. No one even near him. And Alexis Clamaurice was playing on the right side, which is just not his, his good side. And I, I really think that... It's, it's important to pay attention to Nice this season, especially at the start, to see how they develop because I think there's a lot of questions around whether Vieira is actually a decent manager. And over the last last two seasons, this team has been bailed out by Walter Benitez as far as I'm concerned. They've managed a negative XG goal differential in every season that Vieira has been there. I think it's, it's, it's worthwhile keeping an eye on Nice and, and how they develop. Was was Lorient Strasbourg? Is there anything worth talking about? I didn't watch it, so. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lorient looks uh, looked fantastic. Um, so uh, Lorient uh, obviously uh, have restructured their attack in, in some regard this season. Uh, they signed Gerbich from Clermont. Uh, they brought in Quentin Wagar from uh, Toulouse, and then Stefan Diara uh, also came out of Ligue 2. I'm blanking mm-hmm. the moment of what club he was at before. Um, he came off injured, but uh, yeah, Lorient played a, a very high press, um, really unsettled Strasbourg at the back, and, and looked very sharp. And they conceded an unfortunate goal due to some due to not closing uh, closing a Strasbourg player down, and they went behind. But they came back and won three uh, one, more than deserved. Johan Wiesa looks a real live wire, uh, really really talented player. I think he was the, their key man in attack last season, and. You know, Gerbich is a physically big striker, but I think there's a lot more to his game than being a target man. I think the dynamism interplay that those two in particular showed really augurs well for Laurent this season. I think they bought really well. Um, 
I think that of the two promoted sides, they have a lot going for them. I think that Lens looked bright enough as well, despite losing. But, you know, yeah, Lorient in particular, really, really impressed with, um, with the way that team has, has, has started out this season. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that uh, job well done for Le Merleau. Hmm, interesting, yeah. Um, in the meantime, the other results, Nîmes beat Brest 4-0, which puts them top of the league. It's uh, a bit of a surprise there. Angers beat Dijon 1-0. And the last game was uh, Monaco 2-Reims 2, which was a bit of vintage Reims, getting them on the counterattack, looking quite solidly, solid defensively. But in the end, uh, like last season, Monaco always find a goal, or two in this case, and managed to come back. Uh, Axel Dizazi scoring against his former club. Um, even though Reims were really good in probably the first half hour, you know, 20% possession is not going to cut it. That was a, a little bit uh, too much of Reims to actually work out the way they they uh, would have liked to. But uh, some interesting talents going forward there. Uh, El Bilal Touré, especially, you know, some looks quite special, only 18 and astonishing confidence in the way uh, he plays very technical too um so one one to follow over there uh right that's all from us uh for this week on the gf fan show but we have the uh preview show coming up later on uh in the week during which we'll talk about uh, the league season as a whole maybe a little bit of a club by club presentation too um of course you can also listen to the get german uh, football news podcast which has been coming out and and uh, that will be interesting with regards to the Champions League final too but for more French football you can follow GFFN on Twitter at GFFN or the website getfootballnewsfrance.com uh, thanks Eric, Jeremy and Kale for coming on today uh, it's quite late on a Sunday night so uh, big thanks to them and uh, we'll talk to you soon thank you for listening